the American Theatre Wing, and the New York Public Library for the Performing Arts bring you the American Theatre Wing's Guide to Careers in the Theatre. This session, the theatre staff. Hello, I'm Ted Chapin with the American Theatre Wing, and with me is house manager Spofford Beadle. Hello, Spofford. More than house manager, you are the, the I believe it's the, the Schubert Organization's senior house manager who is now responsible for their best theater, The Majestic. Is that right? Well, it's the best musical house on Broadway. That's pretty, it's <coughs> a great show, so played in, that, in yeah. that show. And I believe, as we speak, Phantom of the Opera. Correct. And it's been there for? We're in our 14th year. And you've been house manager since the very beginning? Since prior to 42nd Street. Which was before the Phantom? I mean, 42nd Street, uh, I start was at the Majestic when I moved to the Majestic. And uh, then Phantom came in after 42nd Street moved across the street to the St. James. Now, before we get into a definition <coughs> of exactly what a house manager is, I, I want you to, to fill us in a little bit on, on, on your path to the house manager position. Well, it's been varied. <laughs> I've, uh, in true theater tradition. I've uh, done lots and lots of different things in the theater and uh, started basically as a stagehand and a technician and then worked in the stage managing and then management and I've done a little acting only to get a stage manager's job and that kind of thing and uh, produced some shows on the road and in New York. And, and um, for the last 20 some years I've been managing theaters for the Schubert Organization. So I assume that when you were stage managing and acting and, and producing, you were certainly aware of what a house manager was. To some degree, not the same degree as I am now. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope not. But, but clearly, you knew there was a job there oh, yeah. that was being done, and perhaps mm -hmm. it was a job that was, yes. that was, that was interesting. So I, so I have a, this image of you coming to the theater, since the house manager sounds like you're the manager of the house, and you come with a great big chain of keys, and you open the key, and you turn the lights, which you sit in the corner for the rest of the day. No, that would be nice, but that's <laughs> not the way it works. How would you define house manager? Uh, basic fundamental uh, principle is you're responsible for the care, comfort, and safety of the audience. And that includes everything from the, all the staff that do the cleaning and ushering and everything. Uh, and um, the uh, supervising the so, various heads of the department, et cetera. So you're in charge of the building, right? Uh, the building well, is your responsibility. From the stage in, back is the in, stage manager. Well, basically. The stage manager is responsible from the house curtain, from the curtain back, and the, and the uh, theater manager is responsible for the front. But um, uh, we overlap in some areas. And... Uh, and an organization like the Schubert Organization, there's a whole department of facilities, as they call it, that takes care of the maintenance and, uh, of the theater on a regular basis. Now, the Schubert so, Organization is the owner of the building, right? The of, the owner theater, of the theater, right. And they own a bunch of other theaters in, in New York. So you are hired by the Schubert Organization. That's correct. By the landlord. Right. And, and, and you're responsible for only one theater at a time? That's correct. All right. Well, I have to say, you have provided us with the most astonishingly accurate and detailed... No, no, don't, don't wince. It's going to be very important here, because in, in a way, it seems to me that the house manager's job is a job of details. God is in the details in this one. So I, I wanted to ask you, you know, if, to go through some of these, these things, because it's very detailed and very 
important, obviously. Um, there is a routine that, 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 gets, that happens on, on every day that there's a performance, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. and, and, and obviously, you, know, it, do you, you don't actually open the door with the key? No, uh, I open the door to open the house, but, uh, but, but, but the keys are basically uh, the porters and the security staff have the keys. And so they're, they're, they're the ones who, who know. Yeah. And you don't even come in the front door, do you? Sure I do. Okay. Yeah. Not the stage door? No, the, the theory is often transgressed that the front of house people come in through the front of the house and the people working backstage come in through the stage door. But a theater uh, that's between 44th and 45th Street, it depends on uh, how com convenient it is for transportation, et cetera, as to how people come in the theater. Well, that's actually an interesting little thing about the Broadway theaters. The, the Majestic, the, the entrance is on 44th Street, but the stage door is actually mid-block on... 45th. There's a communal alley to get to the Golden and the Royale and the Majestic stage doors. That, that entrance is on 45th Street. So if, if people want to stand at the stage door of the, of the Majestic and they're on 44th the Street, they're yeah. going to be very upset, yeah. I think. Well, that's great. Um, so on a day where a performance is, is taken, what time do you get to the theater? I generally 45 minutes to an hour before curtain. So do you have duties during the day? Uh, sometimes, meetings, etc. If certain things are going, taking place in the theater, I have to be there. But, but um, basically, the job is the eight performance week. Right. I call it the tyranny of the eight performance the week. <laughs> and you are an actor for how long? I've heard actors talk about the tyranny of eight oh, performances. Oh, oh, oh. Not, not very long, and I never really wanted to act. So. <laughs> But it, so, so the, it, says, it says that, that the first thing you do is get a report from the box office about wheelchairs. Well, one of the things we have to do in this day of, of wheelchair access, special wheelchair access, is to, we all have special wheelchair seating. Uh, some people who buy tickets for wheelchairs, usually they want the seat removed. So I have to find out from the box office what seats have been sold for the wheelchairs and if, whether or not that seat has to be removed. Um, and then I let the property department know that, and they take care of that. Uh, is this a relatively new thing in theaters of Broadway, that, they, that, that you can buy a wheelchair position and seats can be removed? Uh, go, well, the, the removable seats have been around now f since the ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act, was passed. Uh, and it, subsequent to that, the, the special wheelchair seating was... Prior to that, we used to sell, each theater had in, co uh, in conjunction with the fire department, certain wheelchair places where a wheelchair and a companion could, could be, be placed and near an, uh, an exit so that in the event of an emergency, the wheelchair and the companion could get out in a hurry. The ADA sort of changed that. I see. The fire department had to take a back seat, uh, believe it or not, to uh, the federal government. That's, that's, that's very interesting, very telling, I yeah. think. Um, and I assume that when the theaters are renovated, they have to make at least one bathroom accessible to Any the major renovation, uh, and I can't remember the dollar amounts, yeah. but, uh, but uh, uh, more uh, handicapped facilities have to be provided than any, than if you're not renovating the facility. But, but the Schubertization has gone along with an awful lot of the requirements of the ADA, uh, even though they didn't have to. Now, I mean, my understanding of what a prop man is has to do with things that are t brought out on stage you know, for actors to hold. Why would a property man be the one who would take seats down in the theater? The property department is in charge of seats and carpet in the front of house. Now, is that and that's the minor repairs, replacements, this, that, and the other thing? Uh, 
not cleaning, but uh, bolting the seats down, et cetera. If, if you're reseating a theater, the property, to, the stagehands, property department, do that work. Now, th that property man is, is on your crew, the house crew, Correct. Right? And then a show will always have its own parallel property man? Normally, a show has its own uh, three heads of department, and the, the house has its three heads of department, carpentry, electric, and props. Um, it, why do the bartenders need to know about the, about the well, one wheelchairs? Well, one of the, although I don't think it's part of the ADA, not part of the federal legislation, but one accommodation that was arrived at was people who are in wheelchairs or in handicapped anyway, who have a difficult time maybe getting to the bar for a refreshment at intermission. Uh, the bartending staff is supposed to go to them to see what they want so that they don't have to fight the cr crowd getting to the bar at intermission. How British. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How nice. Um, then, then it says you, you check with the stage doorman and make sure there are 12, that 12 padlocks are on the board. Some years ago, as a, as a security measure, the Schubert organization at least started padlocking the interior doors of the theater so that they were padlocked shut at night. And if anybody had gotten into the theater they or was do. locked in by accident, they couldn't get out. They, had to, you know, they couldn't leave a door open. And, uh, but of course, the fire department got very worried about that because these padlocks could be left on an emergency exit at the wrong time. Right. So we have to have the padlocks collected at a certain board where we can very readily make sure all the padlocks are there. So, so before, sort of before anything else gets going, you have to make certain that all of those doors Absolutely. inside have had their padlocks. Yeah, removed. the porters take care of the physical removal, but the. Uh, but we, I, I always check it and make sure it's done. Now, you've mentioned the fire department a couple of times here. You obviously, do you, do you coordinate with the fire department uh, on a daily basis? The fire basis? department makes periodic inspections uh, of the theater. Uh, uh, maybe once every other week, there'll be uh, somebody from Ladder 4 comes by. Uh, Is that the, the local fire That's the group? Times Square the fire department who took that 15-man loss right. in the right. World Trade Center. Uh, Disaster, um, and um, well, what are they looking for when they come and give it? Just to make sure the locks are on the board, that everything looks in order, that um, and they have to sign the fire log, which is something that the manager fills out every day. But in theory, all the access, the exits, and all the fireproofing of material and stuff like that is all that's already been taken care of at some. Correct, but periodically on an annual inspection, they will check, make sure they actually try to ignite fabrics to make sure they're flame-proof, et cetera, still holding and, and check your, all your certificates of flame-proofing and all of that material. I mean, I, I imagine that, the, correct me if I'm wrong, the landlord is responsible and liable, I would imagine, in, if there's a, a fire in the theater during a performance, or is it the show? Where does the responsibility li line well, land? Uh, in essence, probably both parties have insurance covering them, uh, oh. liability. Um, the standard theater contract calls for t certificates of insurance by the company. That's in the theater, that's, that's renting the, the theater. That's renting the theater. Uh, and uh, it's a shared responsibility, right. really. Um, then it says you check to see the number of seats sold. How do you do that in this computer age? Well, in this computer age, it's very quick. <laughs> <laughs> if the you used to look, go in and look at the dead book, Deadwood, unsold tickets in the rack for that performance. 
but now you have a printout from a computer. But do you want to see exactly how many? I mean, are, are, is this just a cursory uh, look? Or it's, it's cursory because I need to know how many bodies are going to be in the theater in terms of HVAC, how much heat, how much uh, air conditioning, how, you know, what, what we need to control the temperature. The human bodies in the theater are the primary influence on the, the uh, temperature uh, and, and atmosphere in the theater. How interesting. Yeah. That wouldn't occur to me. So you sort of have a sense that it's going to be a half house tonight, therefore the air conditioning or the heating will be adjusted accordingly. Then I talk, tell the engineer what I want, yeah. Yeah. And you are, I believe, the only person to talk to the engineer, correct? Theoretically. We, uh, when I first arrived at the Majestic, I found out everybody and their uncle were calling and yelling at the engineer to do this, do that, and I put a stop to all of that. Like the dressing room was too to, cold or the Right. The any bar any actor, high. anybody would pick up the phone and call the engineer. So, you know, I stopped that so that, so that if I'm available, I'm the only one who calls. And if, if, there's a, if the dressing room is too hot, the actor talks to the stage manager who talks to Or the to stage you. doorman who lets me know and I call the engineer. Yeah. The stage doorman, I assume, also works for you, right? Yes, correct. Okay, and it does say the engineer you check the temperature is the next thing. Then it check the mail. Mail comes to a theater. Oh yes, oh yes, yes. Um, interesting mail uh, of all time. You, <laughs> there's always something new. <laughs> right. Well, fan letters. One assumes there would be some letters well, for the of actors. Course, the, the, yeah. Oh, well, anything that's addressed to the company or the, or the, or the, the Phantom Company the, uh, or an actor goes right to the stage doorman or the stage manager who then distributes it. Uh, but these aren't people trying to buy tickets, are they? Or? No. That t that inf the, the, those letters go to our mail order department. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I can't even think of what bizarre letters you could get. But uh, oh, any well, we get lots of requests for free tickets and uh, for this or that fundraising activity. Uh, we get lots of requests for all kinds of things. It's amazing. You know. Now, how how do you, how do you know if if tickets are, if there might be some tickets that are stolen or if something's if there might be something fishy tonight? Well, usually, if the individual uh, knows that their tickets either lost or stolen, they will call because they want to see the show. Right, I had tickets, and, and um, uh, a an all too common thing, particularly when Phantom was a, 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 a brand new hit, which lasted for about eight years. We were constantly sold out. Right, which isn't bad. Uh, very good. <laughs> uh, uh, people wouldn't realize that tickets are like cash. Out-of-towners would come in, in the hotel room, they'd leave the tickets on the dresser. The cleaning staff at the hotel would see those tickets and know exactly where they could sell them for big bucks, right at the TKTS line in Times Square. Right. right. So then they would, tickets would be missing, we'd call, and you know, and sure enough, somebody would show up with the tickets, having bought them at the TKTS line, and try to get in the theater with them, and we say, oh, sorry. We take care of the people who had the original purchaser of the tickets. And then you're the one who has to finesse this. Right. And in a situation like that, when a show is completely sold out, I imagine if there are other seats in the theater, you would want to make certain that all the, the, the customers are always right, if notoriously unreliable. But if you're completely sold out, what do you, what do, you do? You punt. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, no. Uh, 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 normally, uh, this stolen ticket problem is uh, very rarely does somebody steal a ticket and then try to use it. In other words, they sell it. They steal it and they so, get rid of it. So I explain that, that when, if somebody shows up with your tickets, the odds are they're not the, the, the thief. 
there's some innocent party who brought them on the streets. The innocent parties, what I usually would do, would stand them at the back, and after we get the latecomers in, see if we can find empty seats, because right. they were innocent, and, and give them a lecture about don't buy on the street, buy in the box office, right. you know. But I was in the TKTS line. Yeah, but Very, uh, one of the thorns in our side has been the TKTS line for years, that they will not police their own lines. They will not police that facility. And the TKTS line, it, since we're on this, is, is a half-price ticket, a mostly half-price yeah. ticket line. And the idea are shows that, are, that need audiences, and you can stand online and pay cash and get a ticket at a discount. Correct. But some people say, oh, I could get Phantom? I'll pay whatever they ask. <laughs> I see. That's interesting that yeah. they don't police. I mean, as an ex-board member of TDF, I'm interested in hearing that. Well, um, do you, just uh, as an aside, because everybody in the theater has an opinion, do you think the TKTS booth is ultimately a good thing for the theater? Yes. Okay. In the right circumstances. Yes. As long as oh, people. Yes. We're also in an era where, where a certain show across the street from the Majestic has announced with loud ringing tones that they're selling tickets for $480 to get around the uh, scalpers. Can you ever tell if a scalper's, if somebody's bought a ticket through a scalper? Oh, yes, uh, if they're there on the wrong day. But I paid money. Right. I'm sorry, but what you bought was this day. You know. But the people who, who we are told, I don't know any of them, who will pay $1,000 for a ticket to Phantom in the days of Phantom and, and the producers today, I mean, ultimately, the, if there are such things as legit scalpers, they have sold the right ticket for the right night, and the people have come on the right night. Well, uh, I'm, I'm one of the major pluses for computerized box offices was supposed to be the ease with which you can change a price. Right. Uh, I'm for trying to get what the traffic will bear into the box office with, with the show's benefit, the theater's benefit, et cetera, and not having it go to middlemen. Uh, but um, our business has been so worried about public relations, et cetera, et cetera, that they have held back on that. And they, St. James, that uh, the producers, it's trying to, 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 to play with that. It was tried to, to a degree by uh, Cameron McIntosh on Miss Saigon. On Saigon, but he was tr doing it with the wrong seats. Well, he was a British Nobody seats, wanted right? to climb up two flights and down one to get to the first couple of rows in the mezzanine, which are terrific seats, but right. they don't want to walk. They don't want to climb stairs. Well, so that didn't really yeah. work. While we're on this, the box office, let's talk a little bit about the box mm -hmm. office. Did they work for you? Not directly, no. Uh, the box office treasurer and I worked together. Um, but they I, also work for the they, landlord. They worked for the landlord, yeah. But, but in theory, the money that they're collecting belongs to the producer of the show in there. No, it belongs to the landlord. Uh-huh. And, and at the end of the week, the week's gross then is shared, but divided up by the landlord and the, and the, and the attraction. Uh, how many people work in a box office at the Majestic? Uh, right now, there are six. And are they all considered treasurers? There's the treasurer and then five assistants. Um, in the old days, th there was ICE. Everybody heard about ICE, and periodically there'd be a scandal in the box office. Is the, has the computer cut down on that? I believe so. I believe so. Because in theory, the way ICE used to work was somebody coming to the, to, to the box office and the guy behind the window taking more money than he was supposed to and only accounting for a certain amount of money? Or am I being naive? Uh, basically, the, the treasurer of the theater controlled who got tickets. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, more than that, I can't tell. So you're in favor of the, of the computerized box office? Oh, absolutely. Office. Absolutely. It's, 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 it's a great accounting tool, and it's, uh, 
and it's uh, a great plus in many, many ways. I miss those racks of tickets with the date uh, on in magic marker. Yeah. Okay, back to the, to the, to the, the pre-show routine of the house. Now, at basically half hour before the designated curtain time, the, uh, the doors are open for the audience to come in. That's great. Right. What has to happen before that happens? Hey, do all the checks to make sure that the temperature's okay, that the padlocks are on the board, that you've got your staff where they belong, that the, that the bar knows about the handicap, that the, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And stage manager? And, and uh, on Phantom, we have a pre-show routine, which is a little unusual because, uh, in essence, what I'm doing is saving my salary every week. You're saving we, yourself. Yeah, well, that's what a good manager does. Uh, the preset for the show, which opened the house, the house opens with, with no curtains, so that the preset for the beginning of the show has to be set. Uh, but in order to do that, it takes a full crew in the carpentry department to do about three or four minutes' work. Right. The other departments can work just a few of the guys doing various things that they, the other departments do that, but at 7.30 for an 8 o'clock curtain, the carpentry department finishes their preset, which takes four or five guys that wouldn't otherwise be there, uh, be, be on payroll, uh, because the preset hour is on top of their regular pay. Mm -hmm. So in order to save money, we finish the preset between 7.30 and 7.35. And I wait in the house. We let the people into the... Uh, inner lobby, we've got a big inner lobby, and the bars and the restrooms and everything are, are available, but we don't op actually open the seating area until the preset is finished about 7.35. Now, why isn't the preset done at the end of the performance the night before when it's Well, because oftentimes there's, uh, first of all, it's against the stage hands uh, uh, rules, rules to, to do that work. But oftentimes there's rehearsal during the day, there, you know, on a show like Phantom, there, Virtually no day goes by without something taking place on that stage. And, and obviously, just because of the, of, the, of the specifics of Phantom, the stage is, is empty at the end of the show for the curtain call. And Correct. at the beginning of the show, there's a chandelier and a lot of junk, as I recall. I, would, I mean, I mean well, junk with it in quotes. Well, at the end of the show, the chandelier is brought down and put on a stage and plugged in so its batteries are being charged for the next day. Uh, so, ah, so it's sort of something gets done at the end of the show. Yeah, and is yeah. there, was that a negotiation on this no, specific no, show no, with the stagehands? No, no, no. This was, was an acceptable practice. But, but, but part of what we're talking about now in terms of preset and stuff like that is specific to each show, and it does get negotiated show by show? Uh, to a degree, yes, yes, yes. And it's, and it's the house manager's responsibility to help the negotiation? Um, suggest? Suggest, but basically it's between the company general manager of the show and uh, the stagehands, and the, the, in this case, the business agent of Local One. Right. A lot uh, of coordination here yeah. going on, clearly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's good. So, when, now, so then, uh, is it absolutely, I mean, are, do you now have it down that, that, that by the clock the house will be open? That, I mean, you can't do it by the clock because sometimes things foul up and it takes a few more minutes or something else is wrong, or the electrician has left something out of the preset, or, you know, anything. And then I assume once the, the audience starts to come in, your, your primary responsible position is right by the ticket takers, because that's where the problem is. Near the ticket are. takers, because, it's, yeah, it varies with the physical layout of each theater, but right. the best place in the Majestic is right outside in the inner lobby, uh, right outside the 
outer lobby doors right there. And what are, is that where the, uh, people will come and say my tickets were stolen or I this or that? That's basically what's going. What on. we hope will happen is they'll call in advance if they've stolen if they have stolen right. tickets. You want to hear a funny one? I do. Once we got a call from a travel agent in Atlantic City about the second year of the run of Phantom. Their safe had been stolen out of their office in the middle of the night. In it, they had about 50 tickets to Phantom of the Opera for a Saturday matinee. They were going to organize some bus trips, etc. And um, the police found their safe in the bottom of the bay in Atlantic City. Soaking wet, of course, full of water. Right. They hauled it up, they opened it up, and there was this wad of paper, wet paper. They thought these were the Phantom tickets. Aha! So we put their group in, as always when we have a large group with no tickets, we try and get them in ahead of time. And uh, lo and behold, all 50 tickets showed up. They had been sold on the streets of Atlantic City by whoever the thieves were who stole the safe. They'd gotten the tickets out of the safe before they dumped it in the bay. These are, sm <laughs> these are smart thieves. These are very smart thieves. That's great. So the audience files in and hopefully little things, you know, either, you know, soaking tickets or whatever. Yeah. And then when we get to, to, to curtain time, um, obviously the blinking the lights to warn everybody to get in? Uh, I do that because everybody else is very busy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then do you again coordinate with, I mean I assume that the stage manager at the time is going through his own certain routines and checking, you know, so that he's, you're at least saying, coordinating whether things are oh, okay. Oh yeah, yeah, and we talk, uh, whoever is calling the show, the stage manager that night, we talk, and I tell them when to start, you know. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I can be very, very busy in that half-hour time oh, sure. to get with, with all kinds of problems. Right, and then, and then you have an in, internal phone in which you say everything uh, is okay. And I have a, I'm, I'm wired into the uh, stage manager's call system so right. that I talk direct to him. And then the minute, and, and you say the house is okay? Yeah, and hopefully they're okay backstage and we go. Okay, and then, then what do you do? Oh, well, then, you know, Phantom starts with a dead, quiet uh, um, uh, scene, uh, prologue, uh, the auction, so that uh, I, in order to like, kill the lights in the lobbies to make sure people can be quiet, you know, right. the bartenders have to be absolutely quiet, everybody not a word, you know, and then, then after the prologue is over, I turn the lights up. There's, I believe there's some sort of loud music. Yeah, when the music starts. <laughs> and then, do, do you have a designated place when you can seat latecomers, or is that up to On you? Phantom, we, we don't seat during the prologue. We do seat uh, uh, as soon as the prologue is over, and uh, the general instructions are we only seat thereafter during applause at the end of a number. You know, but sometimes, depending on where in the theater the people are sitting. So it's your judgment. It's, yeah. it's, it's, well, it's the ushers. I can't handle all right. the latecomers. Right, myself, right, right. But, but that's, that's, that's good. Now, assuming once the performance starts, all the tickets for that performance are, that are going to be sold have been sold. Mm -hmm. So then do you do a reconciliation or what happens? Well, it's done on the computer. Uh, the computer turns out a box office statement. And the treasurer and the company manager and I all sign the statement. And um, now the, the, it's the statement that the treasurer has prepared. It's, it's no, the computer prepared it. Okay, but it's the computer that's in his domain. Too well, you might say that, but um, not really. It's uh, the computer is out in New Jersey somewhere. Uh, okay. The, <laughs> the uh, is it the Schubert Organization computer, or is it, it a majestic it, it, theater? It's a telecharge system, which is a 
division of the Schubert organization, right. and they service uh, not only the Schubert theaters, but the Jamson theaters and other, um, the Beaumont, et cetera, uh, lots of theaters around New York and nationally. But if somebody has paid cash money at the box office a half an hour before the, the performance and the cash money goes into a drawer, yeah. it's still when the ticket gets spit out, the, that money is being registered in the computer. And That's correct. Okay. But, so it's the, the printing of the ticket that is recorded by the computer, and that's what generates the box office statement. I see, and that's where, in theory, a, a computer isn't supposed to print two tickets alike. That's correct. Do they ever? Uh, it, never that we could prove. Uh, very rarely do we have problems. The problems will, will happen if a human being makes a mistake in returning some tickets that have been sold and somebody wants to exchange them another night. Then, but there should be an empty ticket somewhere else in that row. An empty seat somewhere else in that room. But so, now, so it's you and the treasurer and the company manager. Now, the company manager doesn't work for the landlord. They work for the producer, That's right? correct. So the theory of all three of you is the fact that there are three able-bodied people who have looked at this and said, this looks fair to me, among other things. I see that the house is full. I see that the manifest says it's full. We, we've never had a question, uh, you know, where this can't be right. You know, it's... it's uh, it's, we, we basically we accept it, you know. Well, I would think through it between the three of you, or among the three yeah. of you, somebody might say, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute, there are more people here than... And because the theater has a reputation sometimes as has some, having some shady points in here, and this is one of the... Well, also there's a, uh, a further check done by the count-up room of the Schubert organization on the ticket stubs that go in a locked box, and that box is taken over to the count-up room at the end of the night, and uh, or the next morning, actually, and uh, have a whole staff who's auditing by, the, taking, by the, taking, counting the ticket stubs. And that's at that or Schubert organization? Uh, Double-checking to make sure that nothing is wrong. Oh, you know? good. That, that's, that sounds comforting. Mm -hmm. So at the end of, of the first act, obviously, you have to make sure everybody's ready and, the, and the, the bars are ready and the aisles are clear and stuff like that, and the temperature is good enough. For, right. And then during intermission, now everybody's up and about. Well, before the intermission, I always patrol the entire theater, double-checking everything and making sure that the temperature, which if it needs adjustment, that's the time to do it. Before somebody comes to complain at intermission, yes, you're right, I've already taken care of it. Right. That's the easiest answer. Right. right. And, right. <laughs> Hopefully the right one. Yeah. Um, so then during an intermission, uh, I mean, uh, there are some of us who, uh, I shouldn't admit this, but sort of in our youth, second-acted shows. Oh, are you there to prevent us from doing that? Well, I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, 42nd Street, when it first opened at the Winter Garden, I was managing the Winter Garden. and I used to patrol the standing room at the end of the intermission, out, out, out. And finally, Merrick, who was there every night, said, don't do that, Spocker, don't do that. When I first came to New York, that's how I saw every show as a second actor. Don't do that. <laughs> but David, we're over capacity. It's against the fire regulation. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're, if you're clever, you do it. You see somebody going, going. Yeah, we try to stop it. Yeah. Um, so then, so inter intermission is basically milling around and stuff. And, and you, do you, do you check for ticket stubs when people do come back in? Because I know some... Uh, we do, and particularly uh, since the 11th of September. Yeah, and I imagine in addition to that, have, you, have there been some pumped up security stuff? Yes. In terms of... Uh, inspection of bags uh, prior to entering the theater, knapsacks, backpacks, uh, luggage of any kind, any large shopping bag. Is any, there a, a... We try to discourage people from bringing those. There's going to be every time a point of sale of the ticket, we're trying to make sure that they're asked not to bring things to the theater. But for many people, 
they're gone shopping before they come to the theater, particularly on matinee days, and so, or somebody's on their way to the airport or from the airport. We have to make exceptions, of course. Do you have a metal detector, or is it just a personal? It's I mean, personal inspection. Right. And so far, so good. So far, so good. Well, yes, absolutely. Um, okay, so so the end of the, the intermission, lights flash again. Yeah, well, the ticket takers take care of that, getting the audience back in. And I, when the when the house is ready, I tell the stage manager it's okay to go. We have two minutes of entreact music, which helps bridge a little gap there. We can go a little faster than we might if the if, it did, if we didn't have that two minutes of entree. But it, isn't, it, isn't it true that, that Broadway shows, if they, st if they end by 11 o'clock, I mean, the, the, the normal call for all the unions in the theater is until 11 o'clock, uh, It's a three-hour show call, particularly for the stage ends, from, and in our case, from 8 to 11. And it's also for the ushers and the front of house staff? Yes. So that, that is, is Phantom a long show? Do you have a problem no, about No, no. We're two and a half hours. Lake Mills, as you probably remember, ran for uh, three hours and 15 minutes for right. years and years and years until they finally cut 20 minutes out of it. Right. Uh, so there was overtime for lots of people every day, every and, performance. And I imagine that the, from your standpoint, from the house standpoint and the crew standpoint, they didn't mind about overtime. They got paid. Uh, well, I've never had that problem. But okay. uh, at Lake Mills, I know a lot of the people said, we don't want to work that overtime anymore. Yeah, we want to get to the we train. We want to get home. Stratford, right? We want to get the late train. <laughs> For a while, it's fine, I guess. But after years, it's... Uh, but is it an additional whole hour or half hour? If it's um, it, it varies by the union. Uh, various concessions were made, particularly over the years, in defining overtime. And I think it was by each union had a different... Uh, now, you are a member of ATPAM, yes? That's correct. Which is the... Association of Theatrical Press Agents and Managers. And that's, there's common ground there, isn't there, among, all that, among the uh, press agents degree, and managers? Yeah, yeah. How many different unions are you responsible to oversee? Oof. Well, we, we see. Overseeing, I've got the ushers, the cleaners. Different unions? Yes. Uh, my stagehands. Right. That is the, the work for the house, house payroll. Um, um, the musicians are all on the house payroll, although they are artistically responsible to the show. Why are they on? Why? Uh, as a practical matter, local 802 has never requested a bond from a theater owner. And a bond? But if Describe if a, a bond. That's uh, uh, cash money or securities to cover a one-week salary in case the show suddenly closes without proper notice, right. then they'll get paid for a week. Uh, now, the, So producers, by the very nature of what they are, might, they, they have they to post They come and bonds. go. The people own the real estate are there. So right. the, if, the, if the musicians are on the producer's payroll, the producer has to post a bond. I see. So that's why the, basically the musicians are on the house payroll. And is that one of those union things that probably was started in 1923 and no one's or, changed or it? Or earlier. Or <laughs> earlier. Okay. Okay. So then at the end of the show, what, what responsibilities have you at the end of the show? Uh, I, particularly because I'm the only person on the staff available at that point, I'm watching the front lobby to make sure that nobody's coming in, doesn't belong in, and that everybody's going out. Everybody's going the right direction. And that, yeah, right. I have my porters now watching other door, exit doors where people are going out, I have, you know. Now, the ushers are on the aisles and on the other yeah. exit doors to make sure people don't go out that way, et cetera. But what are porters? 
They are, they are cleaning staff in the morning, and they assist in getting the audience in, at, particularly at the box office, running the line to pick up tickets. And they, um, uh, they do what we call scrap-up after the audience is in. All the public areas that they can get to, they sweep up and clean up and pick up and empty the trash, et cetera, et cetera. And then at the end of the show, they're responsible for locking up the theater. In my case, I have a security man who was co-responsible for that. Do you, um, do you feel that the theater is properly staffed with those, or are there too many or not enough? Uh, properly staffed. Good, and that's... It works. It works very well. And that's, in theory, part of a negotiation between the theater owners and the unions whenever the negotiations come. Right. Up. All the theaters have prescribed minimum staffs. Uh, ushers and cleaners and porters, et cetera. Do you, as a house manager, get a seat at the negotiating table on those uh, no. negotiations? No. no. Might you be invited to at some point? Uh, the Schubert organization feels that uh, they know what they're doing and they don't invite the house manager. Okay. But uh, prior to managing theaters, I used to do a lot of negotiation on behalf of the League with, uh, with stagehands, uh, musicians, uh, do you Designers, miss directors. Do you miss it? <laughs> uh, sometimes, sometimes. Um, before I, we, we talk about different routines that change in each day of, of the week, I wanted to talk a little bit about training. What kind of training do you think would be good for someone who's interested in being a, a house manager? Well, I think the important thing is to find out everything you can about the theater. Take any job you can get. You'll always learn something, be it good or bad. Uh, and it leads to contacts. And the important thing is to know as much as you can know about the theater before you are offered something else, and then you'll learn some more. <laughs> you know, <laughs> not only is that a wonderful answer, but it's an answer I've heard before I'll sitting bet. at this very table. No, it's great. Um, and, and I assume you seem to feel the same way about education. Whatever you can, whatever you can learn, learn. I I got my first. In education in the theater by reading the Encyclopedia Britannica, index volume. It was up theater and I read everything I could read and reread it several times. Because you were bit by, bitten by the bug I but didn't know by what, the bug, yeah. how it was biting you, right. exactly. <laughs> well, that's, that's, uh, that's great. Do um, you ever get bored? Um, only briefly. Uh, there's something new every day. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, when you're dealing with the public, particularly, uh, and, and with large staff, you, the combinations are endless. It's, uh, <laughs> well, that's, that's a good way to, I mean, I, that's a good way to, to look at it. D does the staff turn over, or are these pretty much jobs for life? Uh, not necessarily for life, but in a long-running show like Phantom, it's a, it's a sense of security that you don't have on the average. Uh, the average Broadway show, uh, too many of them close very quickly. Mm -hmm. Too many of them are closed within a year or two. So having something like this for 14 years is, is very unusual. And people tend to really appreciate that kind of longevity and security. Now, are you responsible for the payrolls for all these people? Yeah. And that means sort of top to bottom? Oh, uh, anybody on my staff, which right. is, you know, the front of house staff, yes. And, that, and, and the stagehands and the musicians. Now, is everybody on a different weekly schedule, or is, does payroll all become one day? We finally overcame the, the uh, stagehands union, and everybody is now on a Monday through Sunday payroll basis. Okay. Everybody's pay weekends on Sunday. And in the theater staff, we pay the end of Sunday, we, we, they get their check on Wednesday. 
and when do you compute? I assume that there are some people who, who get the amount of money that they get, like you. Yeah. Week in, week out, it doesn't matter. Right. right. But there are other people, and the, I would think the ushers? Well, I do the payroll on a staggered basis. Okay. Uh, the final payroll input that I do on a weekly basis is the stagehands, what we call broken time, which is their work calls. Which can vary from week to week. Always, over and above their eight performance week when they're coming in to do special work or rehearsals or what have you. That you've called them or the, the, the company, company called? Or usually it's the company that needs this. Occasionally I do. But um, then that I pay on Friday night. I mean, I do that calculation on Friday night. Or do that now computer input on a Friday night. <laughs> and, uh, and then make changes on Saturday. And since we're on a Monday through Saturday basis, so I can make changes right up to a curtain on Saturday night very easily with the computer. And then the pay payroll is finalized, and that's it. And, and you do these calculations during performances? Or during performances, yeah. Where you have an office somewhere in the theater? Oh, yeah. Where is it? Off the lobby? Right off the inner lobby. I'm very lucky. Some of the theaters hardly have an office. Some of them, uh, well, it's okay. a sad story. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not glamorous corner offices with windows. No. <laughs> no. Actually, I have a window in mine. But you have a window? Uh, yeah. What a, what a On the alley. But <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's okay. But, but th so the payroll that you're responsible for is paid out of, I assume, the box office receipts. But how do, how do, you, how do you, representing the theater and whoever represents the show, whack up the money at the end of the week? Well, it's done by contract, by the theater contract. And uh, it's what we call a settlement at the end of the week. Whatever the theater is taking as its expenses and rent or share of the gross, depending on the nature of the contract, um, that is very easily d divided as per a contract. You know? so, so give me a, for instance, does Phantom end the week on a Saturday night? Or well, do you have playing a Sunday week, night? Playing, playing week, week yeah. on Saturday night. So yeah. by the time the performance begins on Saturday night, all the money that's going to be taken for that week has been accounted for. The box office gross for the entire week is, is in and it registers on the, on the computer box office statement. So yes. then do you and the company manager sit down during the show on Saturday night? No, I, I sit down. I do the, the settlement, as we call it, Saturday night without the company manager. The company manager usually goes home as soon as the curtain is up and the box office statement is signed because they tend to be in the office during the day, and so they go home after the show starts. Because they're the ones who are, who are dealing with the actors, the company, and, and they, in conjunction with the stage manager, they're calling, they're, they're seeing to rehearsals, understudy rehearsals. Right, right. Also technical with if Well, the, the company manager is, is uh, just responsible basically for keeping track of things and the financial aspects and their payroll, et cetera. The stage manager is really calling the rehearsals and calling the, uh, the work calls and that kind of thing. Is the stage manager your conduit to the, to the show that's in your theater or somebody else? Uh, the stage manager and, the, and or the company manager. Those are the two conduits. Not the general manager? Um, not in this case. The general manager would be mainly dealing with the landlord, my uh, supervisors, my, my superiors. The general manager would be dealing with the landlord. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, the big picture thing. The big picture thing. Right. Yeah. Give us a break yeah, on the rent. Give us a break on the rent. We <laughs> just had this disaster on the 11th of September. Help. You know, Did you get involved with any of the discussions about uh, w uh, the aftermath of the 11th? On the 11th of September, I was in American Airlines terminal at Kennedy Airport trying to catch a flight to Jamaica for a wedding. So you had a week off. It was your it was a vacation two weeks week. Off, two weeks off. Never got to Jamaica. I'm not surprised. But, I, but I, I mean, the reason that, that I ask is that it, it seemed as if the Broadway community had to 
band together in a very different way than they ever had before in a very quick period of time. It did with full union cooperation, which was what was uh, very amazing. Do you think that uh, there, there could be long-standing good things to have come from that in terms of relationships? I hope so. I hope so. Uh, can't be sure. And has Phantom bounced the, back? The adversarial position of the unions, which I've experienced all my life in the theater, dissolved on the 11th of September for a few days anyway. Right. We'll, we'll see what happens. But at the moment, do you think there's, the, are we in a, in a good, good truce period? I hope so. I hope so. It's, I mean, it would certainly, it was an eye-opener for everybody, I yeah. think. And, but, I, but I have to say, you know, I, I, I thought if, if there could be some, some rethinking of some of the rules that have seemed to have bothered a lot of people through, you know, through the years, it would be a good thing. Well, all of these have stemmed from history that is hard to change. <laughs> I mean, in in terms change. Of, of, of rules? Real, yeah. And payment? Uh, and rules and advantages being taken, and then, they, you know, the union will say, well, we can't allow that, you know, and boom. It's particularly true with, uh, with Actors' Equity Association. Uh, in terms uh, of, of rules? And rules, uh, yeah. Are you a policeman? I mean, not uh, like officially, but is your is part of the house manager's r role one of a... Of a well, place? knowing um, what is and is not part of the rules and regulations of any union is very helpful because otherwise they can pull the wool over your eyes and, you know, it's, uh, get away with things that, uh, you know... So do you have a stack of rule books in your office? I do. I do. I don't, in, after all these years, don't have to look at them very often, but right. once in a while I do. But, uh, but I, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but the, the actor's equity being the one that you pointed out as being I curious. do not. You don't deal with them, I know. Thank God. But, but <laughs> is, it, is it just from, from your standpoint that, that their rules of how, I mean, hours and stuff like that in terms of, of, of work? Of who can do what, uh, how many lines to be a principal, how many, I mean, it's... it's uh, uh, right. I can't go into it. <laughs> well, interesting that that you that's know. for somebody else to talk. To. That's all right. That's all right. But it, it is interesting that it, that in this day and age, one of the one of the problems is that there are these tours out that are known as non-equity tours. Well, so somebody must be um, somebody must be not communicating with somebody else. Well, uh, shall we say perhaps they wouldn't be non-union if the union was reasonable. Well, I, I didn't say that, but I'm not going <laughs> to disagree with you. Um, is there a standard payment for a house manager? It's a negotiated minimum. And, and is it comparable? To, I mean, what, what, what's the territory? What are we sort of talking about? Well, approximately a stage manager level. 1500 2000 a week? Yeah, in that, in that range. But, but can be negotiated with, uh, in your case, you would negotiate with the landlord? Uh, that's correct. Um, because actually, at PAM, uh, has I, I members will, who... I will say this, that I don't think there's any negotiation, uh, certainly within the Schubert organization, to, for overscale. For overscale. Yeah, yeah. Um, I happen to get overscale only because they decided to give it to me. But uh, well, since I didn't should, negotiate for it. Something should come with seniority. <laughs> I think that's great. Yeah. But I was realizing that it at was, PAM... It had to do with the opening night of 42nd Street, but anyway... <laughs> I'm going to ask that in a moment, but just let me, my, my one question, at PAM has people in that union that work both for the landlords and for the producers, correct? That's correct. So that the, the rules of at PAM have to, have to, you know, deal with all. That's right, yeah. What happened on opening night at 42nd Street? Well, as you probably were aware, uh, Gower Champion died during that day, and David Merrick was keeping, as those of us who knew were, completely quiet for the press. It was very important because this cast 
particularly the leading lady, was going to be couldn't have gotten through the opening night if, they, if they'd known. And, uh, at the party afterwards, which was, I discovered that the press department had, and Merrick had decided to do certain things about a memorial fund and a special performance and a this, that, and the other thing. So I went around and cleared all of this with everybody and got sure that everybody knew what was happening. And I became the general manager of the show and the producer that evening, of the, you know, and I just, somebody had to do it. And, you just, you took, uh, took I just charge. took charge. And, so they were very nice and said, thank you. So it was an acknowledgment of a job yeah, well yeah, done. Yeah, I think that's what it was all about. How nice to know that that yeah. still happens. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you do apprenticeships or do you take on apprentices? Uh, we have, from time to time, the Schubert organization has had apprentices or interns uh, who are college students who, who will spend some time with me. Uh, uh, we had one young lady just two years ago who was a full-time employee, intern, an apprentice, and finally got in through the APAM through the apprentice program. And uh, she's now uh, managing a theater in, in Philadelphia. If somebody was interested in the apprenticeship program of APAM, how would somebody find out and apply? They have to go to an APAM member <coughs> and be... Um, and sponsored? Be, be sponsored by that member, yeah. Now, the, each theater chain has, that's the Schubert organization, Jim Jamson, the Niederlanders, I think are allowed to have two apprentices at any given time. Um, busy general manager's office might have one or two apprentices at any given time. And a, there is a, it's a well-established apprentice program that people can um, join and there are classes held and an exam at the end of the apprentice period, et cetera. So if, it, if it's at PAM, what's the apprenticeship? I mean, is there a, a test in press agents or managers or is it it's all the same? It's two separate tests, yes. One for press agents, one for managers. And do you have an apprentice now? No. Would you have one if you could? Or that would, would you be have nice. That would be nice because if an apprentice once they're broken in, I could maybe leave the, the theater a little early some nights, you know, but, uh, which I did while I had this lady working with me. You know. But she graduated. You did so well that you... Well, that no, she went on. You know, she finished her apprenticeship, became a member of the union, and she's now managing a theater in Philadelphia. So. But do you think it's logical that you would get another apprentice before too long? Well, that would be nice. But is, is it your choice or the Schubert's? The Schubert's choice. I see. So you could say to, to, to the people for whom you work, I would like an apprentice, and they will say... Well, maybe we'll get one someday. <laughs> Are there any now with the Schubert organization, do you? I don't believe so, no. Uh, not that I'm aware of. If you are... Actually, wait, wait a minute. Yes, there is one. No, there's one that I know of. There might be a second coming along. Um, you certainly... Um, because you had producer in, in your background, at some point made a choice for a paycheck that comes in every week um, at, at the, the Majestic and you I were... I stopped gambling. You stopped gambling. <laughs> but what happens if you are a house manager at a theater that the show closes? You're out of work. Uh, each, each manager is, signs a contract for the year for that theater. Uh, when the uh, house is dark, you can work as a sub in another theater. When I went on vacation, somebody subbed for me, another Schubert manager. From another house from that another was dark. theater that was dark. And uh, I'm going to take some time off over Thanksgiving for family reasons, and I've got the manager of the Booth Theater, which is dark, is going to sub for me. So, so is, uh, that, is that person not on salary when their theater's dark when and the then they'll go dark, on salary? When the theater's dark, they're not on salary. That's correct. 
Did you then forego your salary, or do you have you gotten, been entitled when, uh, to vacation? Somebody, no, somebody works for me. Uh, they take the money that I would be earning. That's the, I mean, you certainly must have some vacation time accrued. Well, uh, built into the weekly salary is a vacation allowance, uh, okay. so that you're paid uh, because this makes good sense in the uh, in the overall scheme of things. You said so many theaters are dark so much. Yeah. So, what? Just out of curiosity, what's the salary for an apprentice, an Adpem apprentice? Uh, my best of my knowledge, it's half of the. Uh, Negotiated for I think for a first year president I think it goes up for a second year apprentice. And is the exam to get into the apprentice program or to get out of the apprentice program? It's to get into the union to become a full fledged member of the union. Which would be out of the apprentice out program. Of the, out of the apprentice. So program. what what criteria are used to 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 get apprentices to to accept an apprentice? What criteria are used? Yeah. Um, I suppose the sincerity of the interest of the person who is applying. Um, a certain background, a certain maturity, of course, um, and um, uh, one of the most important things is ability to deal with the public, uh, with, uh, and some people just can't do that. Right. So. Are, are are the managers and and, and I should point out that a house manager is also called a theater manager, or is that a different it's position? It's an interchangeable term. Uh, is that one of the, the places in the theater where, where there are great families who have passed this down from generation to generation? There have been. Uh, you know who Joey, Joey Harris is? Mm -hmm. His father was a manager. Joey was a manager, general manager. He brought all his sons up to be stage hands. To be stagehands. Right. Is there a lesson to be learned in this? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> no, but but it, but if, if at least the feeling to people who might be interested in it is it isn't a, a it, it's a I wouldn't say an open door, but it's a door that that is not closed. That's correct. And yeah. that's yeah. That's uh, the Schubert organization has a policy of no father to son or mother to daughter uh, job passing on. Period. Amen. That's. Interesting. I didn't know that. Do others, other organizations? I can't say. I don't okay. know. Okay. No. But that's, that's That good. doesn't mean that, say, the house Nephew carpenter too. in my theater couldn't have a son who becomes a house carpenter in another theater, but the direct job does not pass from father to son or from mother to daughter. But, but basically, that, that, I mean, it, from, from your standpoint, the, the, having family members in the theater isn't a bad thing. No, not a bad thing. Uh, I've never known it to be a, uh, a serious problem. That's good. That's very good. Um, is is there is, so sort of in summation? Is there anything about about house managing and and uh, theater managing that, that 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 you you know a final word that you have for us? Um, well, if you love the theater, it's a, a way of working in the theater that um, allows you to be a, a part of what's happening. Uh, it's not it's not creative except in uh, how you deal with the public. And being part of the collaboration and of the theater. And being part of the collaboration, absolutely. And if you like Phantom of the Opera and you want to see it eight times a week, you've got the perfect job. You don't have time to see it eight times a week. <laughs> uh, a myth. <laughs> a myth. Just uh, the only time I've actually watched Phantom was during an Actors Fund uh, performance where I was 
able to just sit down and watch the whole thing. Because you figured they can get their own cocktails at intermission. No, well, I was <laughs> available at intermission, of right. course, but I, mean, I, I really watched it from beginning to end because I didn't have any work to do. That's great. Well, thank you, Spofford. I really okay. appreciate this. My I mean, pleasure, I've been Ted. talking to House Manager Spofford Beadle. For the American Theatre Wing, I'm Ted Chapin. The American Theatre Wing's Guide to Careers in the Theatre is a project of the American Theatre Wing and the New York Public Library's Billy Rose Theatre Collection, Theatre on Film and Tape Archive.